0: Welcome to the Inspired Women podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama 4. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone. Today I'm here with Nicole. Nicole Cruz Glacken is a mama 4. Navy spouse, student, and candidate for Ledger Town Council. She is also a woman in recovery, recently celebrating three years of sobriety. Congratulations. That is a huge step. Uh, I know a lot of people in sobriety, we've actually talked a lot about addiction on the podcast, several different kinds of addiction, um, and that's amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. Her motto is live your truth. She aspires to live her truth in an effort to share her experience, strength, and hope with others who may also be struggling with addiction or self-doubt. Nicole believes that it is never too late to start over and that life is a journey filled with opportunities for continuous personal growth. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Uh, So I wanted, I asked you to come on. This is not an application uh, people don't know, like people are like, I have to apply for the podcast. I'm like, no, actually, or I mean, yes, people should, uh, that's how they should do it. Uh, but every once in a while, I'm like, you know what, this person seems to have an interesting story and I want to chat with them. And so I have pitched, uh, people multiple times. Ours was very informal. Usually it's an email, like, Hi, blah 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 um, and I talk about the podcast and why I'd like them on and sometimes I get yeses sometimes I get nos but um, my spouse says if you don't ask the is always no. so sure. um, why I wanted to chat with you and and I really am am now curious how um, recovery from addiction led you to wanting to take part in politics I mean people might be like town councils like small fries, but you got to start somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a great place to start because it makes a lot of local decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't realize local decisions can really impact your life. Yeah. Um, cause people are always like following like Congress. And I'm like, yeah, they do impact your life. But like when it comes down to like brass tacks, they're talking on the local level, mm-hmm. you know, um, town, but also state, Like they're making a huge impact in your life. So, how did recovery lead you to deciding to get into politics?
1: Well, recovery for me has really been a journey because it felt like a complete do over. Because I came to the realization, I'm not sure if it was at the very end of my youth or the very beginning of sobriety that. Chunk of time can seem like a big blur. Um, I realized that I had completely lost myself. Mm. You know, there were little glimmers of what I used to like or what I used to enjoy doing. And not only was I not currently doing those things, but I really had no idea if I liked those things Mm. anymore because alcohol had become my everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it was for celebrations. It was for feeling sad. It was for dealing with anger. It was for dealing with trauma. It was for, I've picked all the kids up and now I have nothing else to do. So why not drink? <laughs> yeah. Boredom drinking. I understand that. <laughs> right. And so I, I didn't get sober and say, this is exactly what I want to do which was nice because it allowed me the opportunity to find myself again. Mm -hmm. And I think even without alcohol, society itself can be such a pressure that you may be doing things that you don't even like or enjoy because that's the expectation. And this gave me the opportunity to really clean out the garbage and fill it up with things that made me feel good about myself. And that was very basic. At the beginning, it was just getting back to Nicole, with no goal in mind. Mm -hmm. It was just about getting to a feeling where I felt confident um, with myself about just being vocal. In general, I doubted myself so much about everything that I was kind of just going through the motions and doing what I thought was the right thing to do as a mom and as a wife. And so, you know, when the, the sky was clear, you know, I remember having that moment where I was driving one day and it almost scared me because I felt like I was on something because that's (laughs) how bright the sun was. That's how clear the sky was. And I was like, Oh no, this is, this is clarity. This Mm -hmm. is sobriety. And you know, when I really felt comfortable within myself, then I started venturing out into the world around me, I guess, you know, outside of my home because, you know, marriage had to be worked on and healed. I, I, need to be, I needed to be a better mom in different ways. And, you know, maybe a year and a half ago is when I started to pay attention to town politics. And the more I paid attention, the more I was watching um, meetings and participating, I really felt like, okay, this is, this is where you need to be mm-hmm. for now, because I, I take it as a compliment when my daughter recently said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, yes, we can <laughs> be learning and growing and changing. So I just, I, I saw a need. Mm -hmm. Right. I I saw a need for a different perspective, a perspective that is not really given a platform, I believe, in this town. And listen, I I know how people can receive me. It's not getting involved for the sake of causing trouble. However, if I attend certain meetings and I feel like there's something very obvious that I'm assuming someone will say something about and no one does, Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's because that voice isn't in the room. Either you're not seeing it at all or you're seeing it, but it's just not the easy or popular thing to say. And either way, there needs to be a voice there to speak on these things.
0: Yeah, Ledger, um, the representatives for Ledger are predominantly white, cisgendered, heterosexual individuals. Uh, And even though there are both Democrats and Republicans, they tend to have, I would say for the most part, pretty moderate um, views. So they kind of come together and meld together where, you know, like you said, it's kind of missing. Uh, It was funny because they're uh, not funny, but um, there's a diversity council and uh, Mm -hmm. they suggested that they have like somebody come and talk about like diversity and you know racial tensions and then one of the members goes we should also have somebody come and talk about the opposite and I was like what the hell yeah that was me that was me you were the one that talked about the diversity and stuff and then one of the members was like we should also have the op like the The opposite opinion of
1: my white supremacy. And And, and it was mind blowing for many reasons. You know, it took a while to digest it again, reflecting back on sobriety. What is my part in this in terms of why am I having the reaction that I'm having Mm -hmm. to this? Not saying, you know, why am I at fault? Of course, sometimes you could be at fault in certain situations. But what is bothering me? about this. And Mm. what was confusing was that I wasn't just bringing this up because it had never been done before. And even Mm. if it hadn't, we may still need this. But it was because I listened to a previous meeting. And they said that they had done cultural competency training. And they had hosted a speaker on social justice with regard to, you know, the youth and the Juvenile Review Board and wanting to focus more on restorative justice. So I was bringing something to this committee that I thought was set up to address some of these issues, in part, that was already being done in the town. And it got portrayed, I think, in a way as me being some, you know, leftist, radical, who wants to indoctrinate our children oh and town by proposing something that the town was already doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you also ran for board of education, right? And that didn't work out. I did not. I- oh, what was the, what is it the town council that we're talking about that they put you up for and oh
1: oh yes 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 um as a replacement a a counselor left and i was chosen by the dtc to be the replacement however it is the current council as it stands who has the last say and i was rejected nearly unanimously that's wild it's wild
0: uh it act it absolutely like blows my mind. And um I'm like Ledger is a little, little red dot and a blue state. <laughs> um and you know, the thing is is I was impressed. So our the Board of Education for Ledger mm-hmm. uh unanimously voted for masks, which actually yeah. kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually a little surprised by that, but that probably goes back to the more like most of them have pretty moderate
1: like views we don't have like full magas (laughs) right and I think at the at the end of the day I think we know what is the right thing to do or the safest thing to do especially for our children and where we are right now with COVID and the variant it's what what could be your reasoning for saying you know, let's not have our children wear masks when we have no idea what this new school year will be like with this variant floating around.
0: Right, but so many people have made masks political, which to me is mind blowing. And I think if last year, the administration last year, and people listening to the podcast should know how I feel about that administration. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I went on a couple rants. rants. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like if they had taken it seriously, and had encouraged, um, you know, effort, like encouraged um, things that would prevent the spread, you know, and they, they didn't make it s- such a political, like polarizing thing. We would be in a much different space right now. Yeah. You know, instead, we're, we're doing like a retroactive, um, yeah. like efforts to try to combat COVID, and that's not working because we needed to be proactive, and countries who did they're doing a lot better than we are.
1: Right. Well, I think um overall and when I speak about things um I do a lot of lives I feel like I have to say not all people because that's what people are going to come back with but you know societies are they have certain characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we are a very individualistic society. Yeah. And In part, what bothered me about politicizing, especially mask wearing, was that some people were saying that it was oppression. That bothers me. Wearing a mask to keep yourself and other people safe is not oppression. And we can use words that aren't fitting for certain um, situations or not appropriate to describe what it is that we're talking about. It happens. But especially in this climate, Mm -hmm. to be saying that masks are oppressive because you are now uncomfortable while also choosing to ignore the real oppression is is something that gets me really fired up. And I might have gone on a few rants (laughs) about it myself.
0: I'm all for the rants. I am all for the rants, I tell you. Well, uh, some people are comparing it to Nazi Germany and I'm like that you have like gone off the cliff here because, um, my great grandfather actually helped free Auschwitz, mm-hmm. um, and the stories that he told and I, he died when I was three. So I didn't hear him from him directly, but I heard it from family members, mm-hmm. horrifying, horrifying. Mm-hmm. And to have, um, you know, people who would compare mask wearing to that, and I think a lot of it is—is is there's so few people alive now that can be like, I—I I was there, um, and that is, that is just far beyond. Like, I can't believe you're saying this, you know. Right. Um, and and so I can all I can think about is those uh, stories my great grandfather about like the things he saw and experienced and the horrifying, horrifying things, and I'm like, really, y'all are. <laughs> Mm. so yeah i i understand the you know them them the magical them the people who uh say these things um i i just i don't even know if they understand the power uh, of those words Mm. i don't think they understand how um what those things really are right
1: right Right. and and Uh, words do have power but we've also crossed over to the realm of <clears throat> sensitivity. Mm-hmm. We can now say whatever we want to say, and we pride ourselves in saying whatever we want to say without regard to how it makes other people feel or how insensitive or insulting it may be. Because, <laughs> I, you know, as long as you're not like an overt racist, the closer you get to that line the, the you know the bigger and stronger and tougher american you are
0: yeah yeah and then the people like us who are speaking out against it were were called woke and and not in a good way like right. woke sheep <laughs> libtards which mm-hmm. I, that's my least favorite one of the ones mm-hmm. they use like all these right. things like all this name calling because we're just pointing out This is inappropriate, and I understand back in the day, right? People said all sorts kind of things, Mm -hmm. but now we're really realizing how harmful those words are, Mm -hmm. and you know, this this weight that people have been carrying because. They're parts of communities who have dealt with oppression, Mm -hmm. um, parts of communities that have dealt with discrimination um, and all these things. And and so people are getting a voice, right? We have the internet now where we can, people can share, like, I feel the same way. And Mm -hmm. then you can speak out. And the problem is, is people don't like it when you're trying to change the things that they've always done, because they take it as I'm, you're trying to make me out to be a bad person, Mm -hmm. because you're telling me this thing, or I say or
1: do, is not appropriate. Yeah. And that's, that's growth. And that's progress, especially when you see where it's coming from, you know, historically marginalized groups of people saying, actually, I was never okay with this. Mm -hmm. Or even if I was, That's not an excuse for you to continue to do it because I woke up today and said, you know what, it was really unhealthy that I accepted this because in general, you know, whatever the group of people are or you feel like you belong to, you know, yes, we've kind of, you know, kept our heads down and didn't say anything about these things unless they were, you know, at the point where it becomes physically harmful. So now Mm -hmm. we've set the bar at it must be the worst of the worst in order to speak out against it and meanwhile people have been living in fear or not living their best lives because they have been trying to maneuver around you know the narratives and the rhetoric and you know bringing that back home you mm-hmm. know all that all that pain and that fear comes back home with you and either you have a family that is supportive where you can let that out and talk about it Or you don't, Mm -hmm. but either way, it's just one more piece that you're bringing back home to your family that you shouldn't have to be bringing, because I think we've accepted it as normal. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the way that it is. This is the way that it has always been. Well, I don't understand how we can call ourselves the greatest country in the world if we're not open to progressing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and when you were talking about, you know, those little things, those little things add up to big things. Like, mm-hmm. a person doesn't, like, start out, like, being born as a baby and, and being racist, right? Like, it, it adds up. He, they hear it from people around them. Mm-hmm. And then they say something like, um, for example, we used to live in Virginia. And when my twins were in kindergarten, my daughter, Adrena came home and she goes, I had to tell people off today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I swear. <laughs> and did she swear at somebody? Cause please tell me she didn't swear at somebody. And I was like, well, why did you tell somebody else or tell somebody off? And she goes, they were playing a game and they wouldn't let this girl play the, this game. And I was like, okay, you know, I understand. And she's like, no, you don't. You don't understand because they wouldn't let her play this game because she was black. Mm. And they told her that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I told them that it's not okay. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. Like, I, t- I taught them early. I was like, so yeah, <laughs> you go. Um, and then, you know, all I could think is kindergarten you know where they learned that from. They didn't right. learn it from kids at school. They learned it from their parents. Like there's no way a kindergartner actually understands the weight of what they said. Right. <laughs> and then Adrena comes home a couple weeks later and she goes, I had to break up with my best friend today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? And she was like, we had another problem with uh, kids not being able to play games and I told him it wasn't fair and she told me I was gay and I told her what's wrong with being gay and she said it's gross so I had to break up with my best friend (laughs) but again I taught my kids those I taught my kids you know those values um so it's you know the opposite you learn at that age from your parents but it starts that it starts at such a young age and then it it progresses and and it might progress to like just a certain level that's acceptable for for society and it might progress to white supremacy we
1: don't know because it starts at that small little level right and and so that's there's so many things that frustrate me um but when people are very surface with things and they're like oh you know the KKK that's gone or, you know, oh, no. is over and, you know, Jim Crow no longer exists. I mean, well, look at your own family, whether it's good or bad. You say, you know, this is how I raise my kids because that's how my mom raised me. This yeah. is what empowers me because that's what I saw my grandmother do. It travels from one generation to another. So the KKK not running around, you know, burning houses at the rate that they used to does not mean that racism is gone mm-hmm. or that white supremacy itself has to come in the form of you know hoods and burning crosses. Right. Because it, for me, it is what it is. When you look back and you look at history, the attempt was to make sure that whiteness was elevated.
0: Yeah. Whiteness
1: was the pinnacle. And so for me, that is white supremacy. That is saying that white is supreme. This is the bar. This is where you need to at least try to get if you want to be accepted as Mm -hmm. equal, even on a subconscious level, because we've also disregarded, you know, unconscious bias as if it's not happening every day of our lives. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're out here avoiding black people, right? because that's your unconscious bias, but we do it all the time. You know, however our lives are set up, especially if it's consistent, anything outside of that, even if it's, if it's good, if it's positive, feels wrong because our brains are telling us that's different and different normally feels like that's not what I should be doing yeah um so I went
0: yeah. I one time said online to my brother that we all have bias and he told me he does not and I was like ah I'm just gonna leave it there because I'm not about I mean one I go to school for psychology so I actually mm-hmm. know that we all have bias like mm-hmm. it is a they have studied this we all have it and, about it doesn't even have to be about race it could be about a a variety of things and and it just blew my mind that this white cisgendered heterosexual dude that i've seen his posts on facebook and what his friends say is trying to tell me he doesn't have bias i'm just like okay dude like right you keep telling yourself that um but i could talk about this forever um but now we're straying away from your story (laughs) Um, how does this tie in to you wanting to run for town council because there's got to be I I know there's got to be a link there
1: Mm -hmm. um well for me it is representation you know unfortunately maybe that's the word we are still in a place where we need people who look a certain way or have a certain background being in spaces where that lifestyle is not the norm so that we can get a better view of the many issues that people are dealing with especially people who are hurting the most and you know it's not lost on me um, what it is that i look like and Mm -hmm even if everyone doesn't know where where I come from. Um, I've had, you know, really bad times. I've had really good times. And now my life is really good, you know, but I, I think people may look at my life on the outside and wonder, you know, why do you care about this so much? You you could just go home and be with your family and, you know, be prosperous and you know not rock the boat but you know i think about all of the people and the women who have done this in the past and so like you said you know town council may seem small but i think about you know my girls i think mm-hmm. about especially women because i'm a woman in the community whether they're younger or older who feel like there's no space for me there um, you know, I also stayed home for 10 years, so I felt like, you know, what is my worth? You know, I'm yeah. just I'm just a stay-at-home mom trying to jump back into this, which happens often with uh, Navy spouses, and I really do feel like there is a certain, I, I'm not doing it just because of that, you know, it it does come from an internal source, but I do feel like there's a certain weight attached to doing this in terms of representation, so that other women, so that other girls can look and say, if she's gone through all these things and can come out on the other side, then I can too, Mm -hmm. whatever that is for you, whether it's being the first, you know, person in your family to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my son at 17. So I had my (laughs) daughter at 17. So I feel you. (laughs) Right. You know, there was Um, some expectation about what my life would be like and there's always there's always the opportunity to either do better or chase what it is that you feel like you truly believe in and for me that's what this is
0: yeah I mean so me I got really excited when Kamala was you know became vice president um, she was in my top five for presidential picks. I'm going to be honest. Mayor Pete yeah. was my number one. I mm-hmm. loved him so much. I still do. <laughs> he just adopted twins. Him and his husband just adopted twins. I and I was like, I'm so invested in this life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was so excited because all the girls can look and be like, a woman is vice president. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the black girls can look and say, oh, huh, that could be me too. Right. right. So not just girls, but like, I mean, in all of the times we have had presidents and vice presidents, we've had one black president, right. now one black vice president, mm-hmm. and but that gives. I mean, I, I I'm I'm a white woman, so obviously, like, I if I'm out of out of out of um, my space, you let me know. Um, but that shows black people, like, oh yeah, it's it's possible for me, right? Right. You know, and and just like for all the women, it's like, we never seen a woman or woman in, in present or vice president. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there's potential. We could do that now. Right. Um, and I, I love it. I think she is a classy lady. Um, I love that her husband has just stepped into like that, uh, first man <laughs> role and it's just like running with it. I'm like,
1: you I know you go, you do. That. Yeah. For, <laughs> for all of the reasons. And <sighs> We've come to a place where some people pick and choose what matters depending on how it is they can benefit from that situation or the conversation. It's like, oh, all the people who said that, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're Black or white are so proud that we have, you know, a Black woman vice president. And you're consistently being gaslit into questioning what you have always known, or even you didn't know it, what you've kind of always felt underneath. You know, that was a very emotional day. And then, you know, one of my daughters looked up at me and said, mom, not going to cry. She says, mom, that means that you can be president. So I I can't detach myself given what I look like and what our vice president looks like. And say that it's because she's a woman or it's because she's a Black woman. It may be all of those things. Because in a moment, my daughter saw someone who is our vice president, who looks like their mom and said, that means that you can do that too. It was mm-hmm. like permission, And we need those images so that the younger people coming up know that they can do those things it is not enough to dominate certain spaces never having the experience that some people have had and then almost shaming them by saying well all these people who don't look like you have done it so why can't you do it yeah well because we internalize that throughout our entire lives that's that's what makes us dream. I think that's what our aspirations are based in by looking around and seeing who has done what mm-hmm. and then envisioning ourselves in that space. And I've shared this before as i thought about my own story, but when I was younger, my grandmother was a laundromat attendant. And then my mother was a laundromat attendant and I would go to work with her sometimes to help up to clean up you know cash was a thing and so there was a lot of cash. Yeah. And I just liked being young and having the paper in my hand and counting the money and putting the coins into the rolls that you would bring to the bank and I remember thinking I want to do this and now I don't shame them for doing the best that they could do with what they were given but what what a a sadness that surrounds a young girl, looking at two generations of laundromat attendants and saying, that's my aspiration. One day I wanna be here and have cash in my hands (laughs) that's not mine. Well, I
0: have a Republican uh, friend on Facebook and people might be shocked because I've told them how much, how many people I've deleted off Facebook. Um, But um, I don't delete people because they disagree with me. There's a line, right? There's a line Mm -hmm. that people cross that makes me delete them. Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy having people with different political beliefs and perspectives because it helps me learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And she... She got shamed on Facebook because she posted that she had watched the inauguration and how excited her daughter was to mm-hmm. watch the inauguration. Cause now she was like, I her daughter was like, I could be president or, or I could be president, I could be vice president. Like mm-hmm. this is exciting. And she had all of these Republican, probably closer to the MAGA, like side of the spectrum, um, that came under. I can't believe you watched that. Like as a Republican, you should not have watched that. And she was like how dare you like that gives my daughter hope I may not agree with their policies right this is showing my daughter that a woman could could do this and I love that perspective that it 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 didn't matter what side of the coin that they were on that one moment like whether they agree or disagree with the policies that one moment Mm -hmm. gave her daughter a learning lesson and her daughter was able to say oh I could do this too
1: Right, and in that moment, you have to be conscious of the fact that because this is a black woman, even subliminally, what message are you sending to your children when your reaction to it is one that is so one of like just being repulsed? Well, what yes. do, even if you're not speaking, it's like okay, you know, here's this white guy that's typical. That's normal. So it must not be that, right? You know, that's what your brain is going to do without you even realizing it. And you know, here's this black woman. That's not typical. So I'm guessing it's that. And so you have these people who are like, I'm not racist. I don't say these things in front of my children. I have no idea where they've gotten, you know, those, you know, ideas from, well, you know, if your children are that young, you know, being able to witness this election and, and that was your reaction to it. And you never have images of Black people in your home. Mm-hmm. You never talk about, um, uh, you know, Black suffering or Black progress. You're sending the message that Black is not to be spoken of.
0: Yep. I, <laughs> My children are aware of Black Lives Matter. <laughs> are they Yeah, constantly have conversations at dinner and my spouse is like mind blown at the things. And then my kids will say something. I was like, Oh, where'd you learn that from? And my spouse is like, you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you say these things. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I mean, they're 10. So obviously there's a level of understanding, right? There's Mm -hmm. certain things that they're just not going to understand, but if you don't talk about them, they want to understand them and they'll get the right. ideas from their friends. They'll get the ideas mm-hmm. from social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading an article about how uh, white male, young males, like teenage males are being indoctrinated via the internet. And I saw games. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm which is kind of like mind-blowing to me. But if you're not talking about it, where are they going to get their information from? These influencers right. they're following, mm-hmm. these video games where they're chatting with these people, like all these, that's where they're going to get their information from because
1: you're not talking right. about it. Right. And they they won't even have the awareness to know if something has the potential to be problematic. Mm-hmm. I also have a 10-year-old boy. And this was years ago. I remember we went to someone's house and- You know, the friend was letting him play the video game and I look, you know, big, big screen and, you know, here's this little white kid, you know, (laughs) my husband is white. So my younger children, they look white. Um, My oldest son, who will be 20 next month, is from a previous marriage. And I, like, I just remember it like it was yesterday because he had his back turned towards me and he's small and the TV's up here and it's big and he's playing this video game. And I turn around and I just see this little white boy playing a video game where someone who's clearly like military is running around um, killing people who are wearing head coverings. Mm. And I looked at my husband and I was like, oh no. (laughs) I was like, in the most polite way, please, please handle this. You know, this this is not something I want my child to be subjected to. And now can we shield them from everything? No, Mm -hmm. but we can have these conversations at home. So at least they have the awareness because the awareness has the potential, I think, to prevent them from growing up and being, Ignorant in a way that could be harmful to other people.
0: Yeah. And, you know, looping it back around to the town council is having somebody like you who has a more progressive perspective. That, I mean, compared to the town council. (laughs) (laughs) I I just think I'm normal. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think so too, because I'm like that too. But like you can provide a perspective that says, you know, actually this isn't okay. Like this is, you know, we've been, I understand we've been doing this forever this way, um, but it's not taking into account all these other moving pieces and you're leaving out this big broad spectrum of people. Um, And I always wonder like, because my landlord is conservative. I don't think he's MAGA level. I mean, they're vaccinated. So certainly not. but I always am concerned about like saying the wrong thing because you just don't know people and then having them be like, I'm not going to run to a liberal. I don't think he's like that. I don't think he's to that level, but like, I always wonder, right? And and you, you, I don't think people on the right hand of the spectrum fear those things in the same way that people that are like more progressive feel that fear that like, shit, if I say the wrong thing and if I'm too outspoken, how is that going to impact me? Because they they hop on you like a pack of wolves. (laughs) And and yeah,
1: yeah, I I agree. And people always want, you know, they want the data. They want you to have a PhD in African-American studies before you say anything. When it's just like oneness is lived experience. And it's not that I am judging everyone but having a certain amount of fear in general is what keeps us safe for the right. most part, right? Even if those fears are baseless. So, you know, I live in Gales Ferry, and we own a home. So everything is our responsibility. Yeah. And my husband is Navy. So a lot of the times he's not here when mm-hmm. I have to have someone come work on the house. No, it's not because in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, all white people hate me, but don't gaslight me into recognizing what is very real, what is a very real possibility so that when it shows up, I'm not completely blindsided because that's how I have to protect myself. That's how I have to protect the energy in my house and my children because i almost if it wasn't that quick at the job i almost had a situation where i was going to respectfully ask someone to leave my home because i didn't like the way that i was feeling who knows what that is you know a right. lot of the times these are men and i'm a woman but i'm also a woman of color i have a black lives matter sign out in <laughs> my yard so again i'm not angry at anyone because it's it's normal enough to accept so that you're not constantly in a rage but people show up and they're like what even for a split second it's uh, and they try to get around it in in a certain sort of way they're like oh um your husband called us i'm like yes that's yes i i am i am the woman of the house i'm not the caretaker (laughs) you know (laughs) And, you know, just wondering how you will be perceived when, one, it's not what people are expecting. And then it's very obvious, you know, what I stand for with my sign in the yard and my husband not being around and me needing to be aware of those things so that I can be safe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh. I cannot relate to it on that level, but I can't wait to own a house. Cause I already told my spouse that I'm going to have all sorts of kind of flags. And stuff, <laughs> and he was just like, of course you will. I was like, of course I will. You wait. <laughs> um, I tell him he's more on the conservative side of the spectrum. And he's like, I don't really identify with anything. And I was like, well, you're right. Some of your views are conservative and some of them are more liberal. So I guess you would be more of a moderate. And he was just like, I don't, I don't use labels like that, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. We have great conversations though. It's actually um, interesting being uh, married to somebody who has a different perspective over some things. And mm-hmm. some we always find a, a middle ground and of course he doesn't cross that line, right? So like, <laughs> but we find like middle ground that um, is very interesting, but that's mm-hmm. off topic. I can't wait to own a house and have all these flags and signs and stuff. Um <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, uh, I could talk to you forever, but as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with?
1: I think, you know, like you read in my little bio, it all really comes down to living your truth. I think that women in particular, among other groups of people have been expected to live their lives that make other people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it becomes overwhelming and when we crash and burn, that's then used as a reasoning as to why see women can't handle this. So yeah. I think we need to we need to reclaim our space. I think we need to be okay with taking care of ourselves and voicing what it is that makes us happy. And you know, without, you know, coming off as if we don't care about the people around us, understanding that we are caring for ourselves and we are setting those boundaries that will keep us safe and hopefully allow other relationships to flourish so that the people can maneuver around those boundaries Mm -hmm. versus us trying to be the constant pleasers. And I think that when we do that, it, it helps everyone. It it helps the, you know, our little girls, it helps our boys. Um, So I would just say, yeah, you know, live your truth unapologetically.
0: I love that. I um, heard one, I had somebody tell me one time, you can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. And I feel like us as women, we feel like we have to do it all at once. We feel like it's our job because we've been indoctrinated by society that you know women have all these responsibilities. And I'm like, no, no, actually, uh, my spouse has been home um because he was on a medical thing. People wouldn't understand if I said what it was. <laughs> he was on a, a medical thing and he's been home for six months and hasn't been. I mean, he works every day, but not for very long. And um I said, you you got to start doing stuff around here, man. Like mm-hmm. you got to do, you got to cook some meals. You got to help out with the kids. Like I'm taking classes in the evening, he, like several days a week. And he needs to get the kids off the bus. And I was like, I, you're here. I don't need to do it all.
1: Right. Like, because can that's do a too. partnership. And a, a partnership is based on who needs what and when. You know, I went back to work when my husband was at home working on his master's. Because that's what made the most sense. You know, you're sitting at home working on your masters, you're still collecting a paycheck, and you're also here <laughs> to be available for the children. So I'm going to go to work. You know, when I started taking classes, whether he was working or not, which he was, you know, he would take the children out for the day because that's what we need. If if one person is too overwhelmed, then that doesn't make a partnership work.
0: Yeah. And people need to have permission to be able to say, you know what? I need help. I can't do it all. Uh, and women, I love all, all of us women. Uh, but we need to know that. I mean, we are super women in so many different ways, but we can't, we literally cannot physically and mentally
1: do everything that society expects from us. And and letting go, I'll just say this because then you have to wrap up. Letting go is so freeing. We feel like the more we have control of things, the more power is associated with that. But learning when to let go and how to let go is so freeing. You know, being yourself, moving through this world and this society in a way that makes you feel happy. You know that you're taking care of yourself and your family and not letting what anybody else thinks about it get to you because ultimately... At the end of the day, who, who's coming to your rescue outside of the people who really care for you and will be there to lift you up and, you know, pick up the phone at two o'clock in the morning, everybody else who, who's going to be there when you crash and burn, because you're running in circles, trying to please them. Not many. So, um, yeah, just effort, it. effort it responsibly.
0: <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.